thanks for joining us. We're here with the latest episode of the Workforce Excellence Show, and we are going to be talking about employees' mental health and well-being today. I'm joined by Helen Jinman of Unique and Inclusive Wellbeing. So Helen works with organizations to create great workplace cultures where employees can thrive, and there is a strong focus around supporting employees' mental health and well-being. So thank you for joining us today, Helen. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Um, so can you tell us a bit about what you do at Unique Inclusive and Inclusive Wellbeing? Yeah, so as you said in the introduction, I work with companies to help them create cultures where their employees thrive. And I underpin that with a, a strong focus on thinking about how do we better support those people that are struggling with their uh, health today, but also what role do businesses play in prevention? So I help companies to identify some of perhaps the, the triggers and the stresses within the organization to help them uh, resolve those and create cultures where their employees can thrive within the conditions that they're, they're creating. Okay, so can you explain to us as well what, what well-being is in the workplace? Sorry, <clears throat> excuse me. It's really interesting because we often use the term mental health and well-being quite interchangeably um, and often you hear them going alongside each other. Um, you know, for me, when we're talking about mental health, we're talking about the kind of the psychological side of us as a human. When we're thinking about well-being, we're thinking about it more holistically. So we're thinking about the role our physical health has and we're thinking about our mental health and, and how we can create really, you know, happy and healthy lives around us. And some of the initiatives and things that we do from a well-being perspective, of course, you know, they can get brought into conversations when we're thinking about mental health. Um, and, we, and like I said, you know, we see them interchangeably happen within the workplace and, and they become almost one when we start to explore it in a, in a business context. And so why is it so important in the workplace today? So businesses are one of uh, one of the main reasons why we develop poor mental health. Of course they do. We all work. We all work usually, you know, a lot of hours in a given week. It plays a huge part in our life across the course of our life. So, you know, it is expected that mental uh, that work will play a part in shaping our mental health. Of course, um, you know, our mental health is impacted by lots of different things, you know, situations and events that happen in our lives, you know, circumstances that are triggered in, in earlier life as well as in later life. You know, so there's lots of different things that might happen. But work does absolutely play a big part in, in creating uh, our, and supporting our mental health. So things like, you know, workload and work pressure, trying to balance perhaps that work and home life, you know, the relationships that we have, whether they're or not they're fruitful, whether or not we're getting what we want, whether we feel valued in our workplace, you know, that all ties into our own sense of identity and our own sense of mental health and well-being. So it can play quite a significant part in, in how we feel. Okay. And so what are the key factors um, employers should consider when they're sort of adapting programs to support employees' mental health and employees' well-being? So, I mean, we've seen this wave of well-being initiatives really come to the forefront. You know, lots of companies are thinking about, you know, promoting things like physical activity, you know, promoting ways in, in their workplace to kind of create this, this well-being yeah. side of things. They talked about mindfulness and um, there's some great things that companies are doing. 
Um, I think, for, you know, they're very uh, based on a little bit of a trend, if you mm-hmm. like, you know, we've seen this kind of well-being trend come to the forefront. And, and, and actually, we know from research that it's going to make very, very little difference in terms of affecting people's mental health. Yeah. You know, we can run events and we can run situations and, and uh, days that promote positive well-being and they're great. But what mm-hmm. are we doing every single day? So, that, I mean, then the first thing for companies to consider is, yes, the intensity of events is fantastic. But what, what are the consistent steps that you're taking every single day to create that environment where people feel okay to raise their hand and ask for help, but also where we are not consciously, you know, causing problems for people in the workplace. And businesses can take different approaches. So they can take a reactive approach. And that's thinking of things like mental health awareness sessions, you know, being able to spot the signs and the symptoms of somebody who might be struggling. They're the types of reactive approaches, maybe being able to signpost people to relevant supporting um, spaces that might be able to provide additional support. Uh, And then you have the reactive, uh, the proactive side. And the proactive side is really thinking about what does my business contribute to affecting our staff? So is it the workload? Are we expecting too much? Are the role expectations clear enough for our people in our business? Is that clearly outlined? Is that clearly understood? How do our targets and measures tie into those things? Are we expecting too much? Or are we putting too much stress or pressure on people? You know, what are the leadership relationships like? And looking at those types of things are going to have more of an impact in terms of being able to prevent poor mental health, but also to provide that better support for people who struggle. So those two approaches, I think, are absolutely key. Yeah. And I think a lot of companies automatically go to the reactive because it's far easier yeah. for us to think about, okay, let's get mental health first aiders, let's go and get some mental health session awareness sessions. And it's important, right? So don't get me wrong, it's it's really important that we do those things. But actually when we think about what's going to make the best impact to the people, but also to things like, you know, our, our own targets, our own measures, our absenteeism, how productive people are, you know, the attrition and our churn rate, all of those things is going to be decided upon around the proactive and preventative measures that we put in place. Perfect. So um, a lot of our audience would have like a largely deskless workforce. Um, so what are some of the ways companies with a largely deskless workforce can, can support employee well-being um, sort of remotely? So, I mean, obviously with COVID-19, so many companies have now kind of gone gone to working from home and uh, have been spread across the, to the UK and further afield whilst we try and navigate these circumstances. And I think, you know, it's really important that we recognise that we're still working with humans and each one of us are going through different situations and different experiences throughout this whole situation. And the key to anything is always around how we communicate with people. What communication are we doing? How regularly are we, uh, are we speaking with our staff? I'll be asking them how they're coping at the moment. You know, those personalised conversations. I mean, I've worked with a couple of companies who, you know, right initially hadn't, hadn't engaged with their staff perhaps as frequently as they needed to. Yeah. And as a result of that, their staff were feeling a little bit left out. They weren't feeling a part of a company. They were feeling a little bit lonely. They were feeling forgotten about. You know, and all of that is tying into their own sense of well-being and their own how they're feeling about their mental health. So, you know, engaging with your staff is absolutely critical and talking to them and understanding how their experience is from their perspective and then working out how from there do you bring your teams together, whether that's virtually, 
um, how that's delivered in a virtual situation. You know, are you having a conference? You know, are you having a meeting every week where everyone comes and tells you what their plan is for that week? Or are you having an opportunity for everyone to come together and say, look, you know, it's quite difficult at the moment and this is what I've been doing and this is how I'm, you know, I've been feeling. So you're creating that space where people can start to talk about how things are affecting them in a group scenario as well as on an individual basis. Okay. Can, can well-being be measured? Is there a way that employers can put a measure on, on um, employees' well-being? Yeah, definitely. I mean, some of the kind of the measures that we're looking for from a uh, business perspective, we're looking at the key people data that tells us something's not right, something's going on with our people. So that's going to be our absenteeism data, first and foremost. That's going to give us a measure of um, how healthy our workforce are. There's our churn rate, so how many people are leaving us um, over a given period of time. And then we're looking at how our performance. Now, um, some companies during COVID, for example, would have seen a real spike in terms of productivity. They would be a, bit, a lot higher because people were working from home. Perhaps they were in their flexible and great working areas. They felt a little bit more comfortable. You know, they were turning up onto work perhaps wearing things that made them feel more comfortable. You know, they had kids in the background and dogs coming up and the screens and all those types of things. So I think, you know, people would have naturally felt more comfortable. So for some people, that productivity would have sky, skyrocketed. For other people who, who didn't like adjusting to that new situation, that didn't want to be working from home, and, and actually were more impacted, I suppose, in terms of their mental health, may well have seen a deterioration in their productivity and their performance. So these are all kind of measures and triggers for us to say, something's going on here and we need to work out what it is. We don't know what it is. We can't make assumptions that it is down to mental health or it is down to well-being or whatever. We have to, to use our data to be able to understand what's happening. Now, some companies will use different well-being measures and they will ask their staff to, to score you know, how happy they are on a scale of 0 to 10, how healthy they are on a scale of 0 to 10, and all of those types of things. And of course, you can do those things, and they're great, but they're only great if you use that data to make changes, to develop, to have the right conversations yeah. with staff, to understand what's going on. Otherwise, it just becomes a figure that people think, well, what's the point? Mm -hmm. you know, what's the point if I put zero, or what's the point if I put 10, if nothing's going to happen as a result of that? So I don't say, to, you know, I try to stay away from those types of specific measures just because you need to be really, really robust with your mm -hmm. feedback approaches to be able to make real significant changes off the back of it um, to be able to affect it. And we've got to bear in mind that our mental health is dynamic. You know, it changes on a daily and weekly basis depending on what's happening. Okay, you know, we're talking about, we're not talking about mental illnesses here, so that's mm -hmm. slightly different, but when we're talking about our mental health, you know, some days that are better than other days, some days we have difficult days, some days we get news that affects us for a little while. You know, when we've gone through COVID, some people have felt a little bit lonely or a little bit anxious for periods of time mm -hmm. whilst they try to adjust. They didn't have a routine and that made it quite difficult to kind of get that sense of normality in their life. So, you know, our, we have to recognise that from a day to day, how we're feeling may well change. And to be able to try and measure that at a point of time, once you've measured it, two weeks later, it's going to likely be out of date. So what our job is in the business perspective is to make our, our support processes and what we're doing from a mental health fluid enough that actually it's not reliant on us trying to measure it in that capacity and be dependent on a fixed score when, when it's too dynamic. 
Okay, so there is a link between supporting your employees' positive mental health and well-being and productivity. Absolutely, yeah, yeah 100%. I mean, if you think about what, what when we come into work, we are looking at how energised, how positive am I, how do I feel, because all of that is going to tie into how well you perform throughout that day. Yeah. Um, now, you might have had a really rubbish commute into work. It might have been really, really stressful. And by the time that you get into work, you know, you're already feeling pretty, pretty pressured, pretty stressed over the situation. You might be hot and you might be flustered. And it's going to take a little while for you to adjust back into your day mm-hmm. and to be feeling like you're adding value and, you know, you're getting the buzz from, from doing a good job because of that impact. You know, so, so business's role has to be about identifying and being able to positively support because when you want, when you, when people walk through that door, you want to be affecting how they feel almost immediately. You know, you want them to come into work and be feeling positive. You want them to be feeling energetic because they know, you know, they feel valued. You know, there's a sense of belonging. You know that they've got the flexibility there to be able to do what they need to do uh, and get the job done, but, you know, still get home for the, for the children and things like that, you know. And they're just a few things that contribute to, to creating that culture, if you like. Um, but we, we will see dips. I mean, particularly with COVID, we will see fluctuations in terms of our productivity mm-hmm. dependent on how we felt across the time and it'll be interesting to retrospectively look back on some of the performance and see because I'm sure we'll see you know peaks and troughs of people's yeah. um, performance and productivity as people have navigated the last few months dealing with COVID you know and perhaps initially um, when they, we were all working from home, there was a novelty of working from home. And then it really hit us, you know, three or so weeks in after we've done about 50 quizzes and, you know, done fancy mm-hmm. dress on the Friday. And then we've realised that actually, um, you know, it's quite tough when you haven't got the people around you that you want to be with. And yeah. whilst virtual makes a big difference, you know, nothing compares to being physically with people mm-hmm. and being able to have that natter at the coffee machine and, you know, to have that chinwag about what happened over the weekend. And it's just a bit different when you're face to face with somebody than when you are virtually. So then I think, you know, we'll see that dip in the, in the productivity as people kind of just readjust to that. And then it will pick up back up again as people adjust to the nor- sort of the new way of working within the, in the workplace. Um, yeah. And, you know, working from home doesn't work for everybody. You know, it's mm. not everybody's cup of tea when it comes to... Um, their workspace some people like to be in a in office environment some people like to be surrounded by other people so that they can have an after with their friend you know, yes that's that's the reality of it um, and I know personally I like to be in an office environment I love that I love the, the buzz about it I love the vibe I love being able to walk past people and chat to them and say well I've spoken to you for a while how you been you know I love that um, and being able to get stuff done when you can see somebody across the room and just go over and say would you mind that's just doing this so you know I know from from my experience you know working I would working from home on a permanent basis is Mm -hmm. is very very challenging Um, but it works for some not for others so are there any companies um that you can think of maybe some that you've worked with or are just any examples that um kind of set the benchmark for supporting their employees um their mental health and their well-being or any kind of programs that they that they run yeah, I mean, so there's um, HSBC is a really mm-hmm. good kind of um, company to think about. 
when they're talking about mental health and well-being they do a lot of um, external things and a lot of internal things they've got some great programs that are yes it includes your employee assistant program yes it includes your mental health first aiders but it's also you know considering the role of leadership and how they support and coach and mentor it's thinking about your learning development it's thinking about your environment and the aesthetics that you've got around you and how you feel when you walk through the door it's thinking about educating people in terms of um, how to spot the signs and symptoms but it goes broader than that you know so it's thinking about diversity and how you know the equality and how we feel when we're in work whether we feel like we have a voice it's thinking about our identity and our gender you know and being able to welcome people of all different genders and people being able to bring their true self to work so we're really thinking quite holistically around the different components that contribute to somebody's state of mind so you know I like to think about mental health as as a, almost as an emotional pressure so we are you know we were emotionally responding to different situations and all of us will respond very very differently so you know when you go into work perhaps the, the way in which your, your manager talks mm-hmm. to you affects you perhaps it's the workload that brings emotional pressure perhaps it's the lack of support perhaps it's the feeling that you don't feel that you can tell your your colleagues that you're gay because you'll feel of discrimination you know so there are lots of different emotional pressures for different people depending on them and and their life and their circumstances and their situations and a good business recognize that diversity and really looks at different interventions for doing that you know Mm -hmm. companies that look at things like how do they support staff that might be going through domestic violence you know what are the interventions that they do for those because again you know um, domestic violence will impact people's mental health and well-being and of course it's a, it's a horrific thing in its own right but one of the ways in which we can be thinking about how we better support people's mental health is to think about you know what what support can we give people that are going through domestic violence what are our, our measures what are our resources that we're able, we can provide people what are our, how do we spot the signs of somebody that might be struggling and how you know how do we direct them to the right help so you know recognizing that broad spectrum of different things that can impact people and being able to identify specific interventions that go alongside those things make them credible now does that mean that these businesses are perfect absolutely not you know mental health is dynamic it's changing all the time so we have to adapt with those different situations and we've seen in the last three to four months you know COVID-19 has really affected how we think about mental health because mm-hmm. all of a sudden so many people are at home so many people are worried about whether or not they're going to get the virus or not whether their loved ones are going to catch it and what happens if they do you know the, there's a lot of different experiences that we're going through with those things and although there's a collective understanding that we've all gone through it you know we are trying to look at things differently so we have to be prepared as a business to respond to the different dynamics that are are facing us um, but hsbc is one that i always think do a very very good job and um i see a lot of their videos that they do now and they they put those out there and it's all about you know standing up for equality standing for diversity you know thinking about inclusivity and and that's what i think you know stands them ahead so what are some of the common mistakes you see um, organisations make when they start trying to implement measures to support employees' mental health and well-being? So the most common one is we think we need to do something with mental health. What should we do? Let's go and put some mental health first aiders mm-hmm. in place. Is often the first response. 
Um, the second response is let's run a couple of event days where we educate people on how to be physically active and mindfulness and to drink lots of fluids and here's some great advice around nutrition um, and then that's it and then it stops and um, they don't they don't have any impact on long-term mental health um, they don't reduce poor mental health they don't prevent poor mental health. So, you know, if you're thinking about, I want to make a difference and I want to educate my staff or I want to be thinking about mental health, you, know, you want to be doing something that's going to make a difference to them. Mm -hmm. Now, all of those things that I've mentioned have a place in a business. It's not that they don't. But if that's the only thing that we do, we're not going to see any benefits to anything. We're not going to see any benefits to our people, um, the ones that we're doing it for, you know, to try and prevent or better support those people that are, are suffering. We're not going to see that. We're not going to see any changes in terms of our absenteeism. We're not going to see any changes in terms of our productivity or in our, our churn. And we're probably not going to see huge proportions of return on investment for it. So, you know, I think uh, we feel pressure sometimes as a business to respond because of uh, the, the conversations that are happening in society, the challenges that people are facing, the statistics that we're seeing, you know, external pressures, internal pressures. And I, and I get it and we need to respond. But actually, if we take a logical and practical approach to looking at what we can do within the specific business that we're operating within, rather than launching in, spending a shed load of money on lots of different things that we don't know whether or not will play a big benefit, but they feel quite good and they look quite good and other businesses are doing them, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the right thing for your particular business. So you know, rather than kind of launching in, you know, take the time to speak to, to experts, you know, to speak to consultants that, that get it and understand it and can help you create something that makes sense for your business and actually gives you the, the benefits that you're wanting to see. And so what then are some of the negative impacts of um, overlooking employees' mental health and overlooking the importance of, of well-being in the workplace? I mean, for years and years and years, we've overlooked the importance of mental health and well-being. So, you know, we can see the impacts. We can see that um, there are hundreds of thousands of people year on year that are coming out of work because of poor mental health. Mm -hmm. That figure is only going to rise. You know, we're seeing impacts already um, across the last few months that are growing and growing, not necessarily from poor mental health, but because of, you know, company situations and circumstances that they find themselves in. So you know, there are, there are, there is a very real risk that we're going to have hundreds of thousands of people in a redundancy situation where people are really, really suffering and really yeah. struggling. Job loss um, and kind of that financial impact is one of the reasons why some people will take their own life. You know, because they're not able to to afford you know to take themselves through those situations or get through those difficult situations so you know i i think we shouldn't underestimate the impact of of the role businesses play on shaping poor mental health um and i and i work with some clients today on supporting them through their redundancy mm -hmm. process because i want them to be able to effectively support their staff going through those things you know and, and yeah although Although we can't always determine that the outcome is going to be that they have a job at the end of it, what we can do is really look at how we do that process. You know, so what support we're providing them, what mental health access and resources can we provide them, what practical support can we give them so that they're ready to go back onto the market because we know it's difficult out there. Um, so I think, you know, I think we underestimate the role businesses play. I think we underestimate the role leaders play in influencing how people feel. 
I think you know, the statistics speak for themselves when we see hundreds of thousands of people year on year that are going out of work because they can't you know, carry on in their job. Now, some people that do have a mental illness may not be able to work. That's, that's a reality. Some people do, mm-hmm. uh, won't be able to. But so, people that are suffering from poor mental health in the main will be able to continue with work with some reasonable adjustments that are being provided to them with some reasonable support that can be enabled Uh, and businesses can do that which means that they get to keep them in work they get to keep them productive you know the value to the person is significant and really really beneficial and they don't impact their absenteeism they don't impact their productivity they don't impact their attrition so you know there's win 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 all over the place if if people do think about those things in the in in the workplace so now um, as lockdown is we're kind of coming out of lockdown and people are returning to work there's going to be a lot of people um, experiencing a lot of anxiety and kind of fear about returning to work and and how everything's going to go so is there any advice that you could give to employers about how they can um, support the employees their employees during this time and how they can kind of reduce some of that anxiety and some of the fears that they might be having yeah, so I think the first thing to do is to recognise that everybody's coming at uh, this period of time at a slightly different angle, from a different experience. You know, some will have had to juggle childcare, some would have had to juggle teaching their children maths and English and science at home, some would have had to you know, juggle trying to do work from a sofa rather than a desk space because they don't have that enabled in, in their, or they don't have the space in their work. You know, some will have had impacts of family, mm-hmm. you know, and, and loss of family and friends that have, have gone throughout this situation. So I think, you know, first and foremost, we need to acknowledge that everybody will be coming at it from a different experience, a different situation. And we need to have conversations with every single one of those people to understand, you know, how they've been affected and to allow them the space to be able to talk about those things and to think about how they are feeling on their return to work. Okay. So for some people are going to be, I can't wait to get back in. When can I, when I can, can, I, can I come back into the office? Other people are going to be like, I'm not sure that I want to go out yet because you know, the, the media has been telling me that there's this virus around that's going to kill me and now I'm expected to come back in. So we need to have those conversations on an individual basis and to understand how that person's feeling. And we can complete, you know, there's some measures and questions that we can ask people that says, you know, how have you felt over the last few weeks? How are you feeling about your return to work? You know, what are your key concerns? What are your challenges that you think you're facing? How can I reassure you as uh, you know to to be able to come back into work? And they're all the types of conversations that you want to be having. And you need to recognize that not everybody's going to want to come back into work. Mm-hmm. That, that's a fact. So you need to have a strategy in place that says what do we do when that person says I don't feel safe to come back into work? Because although you're telling me that you know, you've done a risk assessment and you're telling me that there are measures and precautions in, in place. In order for me to get from here to work, I've got to go on public transport, which I'm not really happy about doing. I've got to navigate the tube, which I'm not really happy about doing. And then I've got to come into the office and stay there. And actually, I'd rather carry on working from home, at least for, for the time being. So we need as a business to have a plan that says, OK, if we, that's one of the reasonable adjustments, then absolutely we need to enable that to happen. Uh, and then think about how do we over the next few weeks start to bring that person and feel that, you know, make that mm-hmm. person feel more comfortable about coming into work. Um, if you try a, a full team, full approach, full company approach, you are inevitably going to cause problems within the, within the company. And, you know, you have people that 
tell you they don't want to come back that how you know there's going to be a lot of unrest a lot of um anxiety that's created as a result of kind of that mass messaging okay yes you can say look we're, we're thinking about how we're going to return to work here's our risk assessment here's what we've done to make sure that the workspace is safe for you here's the measures that we're putting in place you can do that as a mass communication and then the next step is you know, we want to have a conversation with you all individually just to, to just to understand how you're feeling um and then you know have those conversations and determine what the next step is for those and to reduce that anxiety you know you have to provide the reassurance that's what people need is reassurance at the moment you know so how as you as a business are putting my health first you know because i'm not really bothered right now about how much money you're making or what you need to do for to ensure the business success i want to know how you're going to make me safe yeah because my my life's at risk potentially you know so um that's the angle that businesses need to think about is to be able to ease some of that anxiety and some of that pressure that people are facing is to think about their reassurances. But remember, in the midst of that, people are still trying to juggle childcare. People are still not able to go and use perhaps their elder grandparents for childcare that they would have done normally mm -hmm. there are still people that are opting to do things in slightly different ways and although you know the the lockdown is starting to ease people are still kind of dispersing and doing their own thing in terms of what they feel safe with so it's really important that we have those individual conversations we understand the individual circumstances and we adapt towards that individual uh, and what we need to do to support them that's brilliant. Thank you very much, Ellen. Thanks for coming and joining us on the podcast. Thank you so much for having Thanks. me. You're welcome. Um, for anyone that wants to hear more from Helen as well, she'll be speaking in our virtual conference in September and you can register now on our website for your place to attend. So thank you very much, Helen. It was great to speak with you. Thank you. Okay.